Hello, everybody. I'm Pam Pastor, host of the Grace and Peace of God Love Wins podcast. I'm thrilled that you found me. There is power in the name of Jesus. And as we journey together, we'll unleash discoveries of how to turn a heart of stone into one immoldable clay for the potter to transform. I hope that you'll join me and others each week as we adventure and explore life together. And periodically, folks, we'll delve into my mailbag and answer questions from listeners just like you. So if you have a question, make sure and email it to me at pampastorcopywriting at gmail.com. Again, that's pampastorcopywriting at gmail.com. Well, today we're going to be looking at Theophanies and Good Friday. What's the connection? Well, stay tuned. You're going to find out. At the foot of Mount Sinai, God appeared to the people of Israel in physical form. That is what's called a theophany. And here are some other times that God appeared to the people of the Bible in various ways. First, we find in Genesis chapter 16, verse 7, the angel of the Lord appeared to Sarah's servant, Hagar, announcing the birth of Abraham's son, Ishmael. Now, Hagar was running away from her mistress and her problem, and the angel of the Lord gave her this advice, return and face Sari, who later became Sarah, the cause of the problem, and submit to her. Hagar needed to work on her attitude towards Sari, and it was really no matter the justification that she had or had didn't have, um, running away from her problems as the angel of the Lord points out, rarely solves them. So it's wise to return to our problems, face them squarely, and accept God's promise of help, correct our attitudes, acting as we should. And these are times that we pray for God's grace, His helping arm, and His hand that always guides us. And then in the second example is from Genesis chapter 18, verses 1 through 11, and that's where the Lord appeared to Abraham foretelling Isaac's birth. And here we're reminded in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 2, don't forget to show hospitality to strangers, for some who have done this have entertained angels without even realizing it. And that's the hospitality and its simplest expression is really making other people feel comfortable and at home. In the Old Testament, we have at least three examples of angels being entertained. We've got Abraham, we've got Gideon that was in the book of Judges, and Manoah, which also was in the book of Judges as well. And the third example that we have is the angel of the Lord stopped Abraham from sacrificing Isaac. If you recall, that was further on in Genesis chapter 22, verses 11 and 12. And, you know, we going back even in Genesis, we read where Abraham was just eager to show hospitality to the three visitors that showed up at his tent. And in Abraham's day, a person's reputation was largely connected to their hospitality, the sharing of their home and their food, and even strangers among them were counted as honored guests. And that was just one of the ways that we can immediately obey God is when we meet another's need for food and or shelter. 
And this is also a time-honored relationship builder. So when Sarah heard the angel of the Lord tell Abraham that this time next year I'll return and your wife Sarah will have a son, she laughed silently because she was well past the age of having children. But our Lord can defy any and all odds. The angel of the Lord said to Abraham, is anything too hard for the Lord? And we obviously know that the answer is resounding. Of course not. Absolutely no. But the question is so revealing of the character of God and who God really is. So it's been recommended that we even take that question and then insert our own specific needs into it. So an example of how to do that would be, you know, is this day in my life too hard for him? Is this addiction or habit I'm trying to break too hard for him? Is the communication challenges that I'm having too hard for him? So when we personalize the question, we're reminded that God is intimately involved in all facets and areas of our lives. His Holy Spirit nudges us to ask for his power, which in turn will help us. So thirdly, Abraham's obedience to God was tested. His faith and obedience, rather, not just obedience. The Lord had told Abraham to take his only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much and go to the land of Moriah, sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I'll point out to you. So Abraham had Isaac tied and was laying across the altar over the wood, ready to sacrifice him. He had his knife lifted up to kill his son as a living sacrifice to the Lord. And at that very moment, the angel of the Lord shouted to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, yes, he answered, I'm listening. Lay down the knife, the angel said. Do not hurt the boy in any way, for now I know that you truly fear God. You've not withheld even your beloved son from me. Could you place yourself in Abraham's shoes? I honestly don't think I could. I could not sacrifice my child like that. I That's an honest, honest assessment. But oftentimes we don't realize the very presence of God and the enormity of him. He's always with us. And Abraham was tested by God to deepen his capacity to obey. His character was strengthened and developed further through this experiential encounter. And God uses trials to refine us, clearing all of the dross and impurities away from our lives. It's tempting to complain during trials, but a better way is for us to offer up praise to the Father for caring enough about our souls that He invests time into loving us and stretching us and growing us upward towards His eternal kingdom. But because we are human and we want what we want, when we're asked to give up something in obedience to God, we should realize it's not going to be easy and it's not going to come naturally, and that's okay. God taught human sacrifice was a sin, yet the pagan nations did this. So it seems really odd that God would tell Abraham to do that, but he really was testing Abraham's heart because God knows and can read hearts. So did he love God more than his promised son? Well, God did provide an exchange by placing a ram into the thicket. But doesn't this remind you about 
John chapter 3, verse 16, where it tells us, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Well, the ram on the altar was the substitute for Isaac, and Christ was offered on the cross for you and for me. God spared Abraham's son, but not his own, from dying on the cross today, on this Good Friday. And if Jesus had lived, the rest of humankind would have died. So God sent his son to die for us so that we can be spared from the eternal death that we deserve and instead receive eternal life in its place. And we learn in Exodus chapter 33, verse 11, that inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. But afterward, Moses would return to the camp. But the young man who assisted him, who was Joshua, son of Nun, stayed behind in the tent of meeting. And I'm sure he stayed behind as kind of a guard for the tent because many people would have been curious onlookers. But can can you imagine what that must have been like for Moses to talk with God like a friend? He had such favor. And we know that Moses was not perfect. He wasn't gifted or powerful, but God chose Moses. So in turn, Moses placed his trust fully in God and relied upon him for wisdom and direction to lead the Hebrew people. Friendship with God was and is a real privilege. And yet I hope that you too realize today we have friendship with God through his son, Jesus. He called his disciples or his learners friends. As a matter of fact, in John chapter 15, verse 15, he said, I no longer call you servants because a master doesn't confide in his servants. Now you are my friends since I've told you everything the father told me. So Jesus has called you and called me to be his friend. So some more theophanies include Exodus chapter 3 verse 2 where it says suddenly the angel of the Lord appeared to him as a blazing fire in a bush. Moses was amazed because the bush was engulfed in flames, but it didn't burn up. God spoke to Moses from an unexpected source, a burning bush. When Moses saw it, he went to investigate. He was always very curious. And God may use unexpected sources like that when communicating to us as well. Whether we, he communicates through people, thoughts, experiences, we must be willing to investigate and be open to God's surprises for us. But Moses saw the burning bush and he did speak with God. Many people in the Bible experienced God in visible, not necessarily human form. But Abraham saw the smoking fire pot and blazing torch, it tells us in Genesis. Jacob wrestled with a man later in Genesis. And when the slaves were free from Egypt, God led them by pillars of cloud and fire. So God made such appearances to encourage his new nation, to guide them and to prove the reliability of his verbal messages. So going back to the example of Genesis chapter 15 verse 17 with Abraham, as the sun went down and it became dark, Abram saw a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch pass between the halves of the carcasses. So why did God send this strange vision to Abram? Well, God's covenant with Abram was serious business. It represented an incredible promise from God and a huge responsibility for Abram. 
To confirm his promise, God gave Abram a sign, the smoking fire pot and a flaming torch. The fire and smoke suggest God's holiness, his zeal for righteousness, and his judgment on all the nations. God took the initiative, gave the confirmation, and followed through on his promises. God's passing through the pieces was a visible assurance to Abram that the covenant God had made was real. And then next, we find Jacob wrestles with God in Genesis chapter 32, verses 24 through 29. This left Jacob all alone in the camp, and a man came and wrestled with him until dawn. When the man saw that he couldn't win the match, he struck Jacob's hip and knocked it out of joint at the socket. Then the man said, Let me go, for it is dawn. But Jacob panted, I will not let you go unless you bless me. What is your name? Jacob asked him. Why do you ask? The man replied. Then he blessed Jacob right there. So Jacob continued this wrestling match all night just to be blessed. He was persistent. And God encourages persistence in all areas of our lives, including the spiritual. So where in your spiritual life do you need to be more persistent with God? You know, we develop strong character as we struggle through a lot of these conditions and trials. And on a previous podcast, we've seen how God gave many people in the Bible new names. For example, Abraham, Sarah, and Peter were some. And these new names were symbols and of just how God had changed their lives. But here we see how Jacob's character had changed. Formerly, Jacob Jacob had been the ambitious deceiver. Now he became Israel, the one who struggles with God and yet overcomes. So the Israelites were given another theophany in the crossing of the Red Sea and Israel's wilderness detour. When Pharaoh finally let the people go, God did not lead them on the road that runs through Philistine territory. Even though that was the shortest way from Egypt to the promised land, God said, if the people are faced with a battle, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led them along a route through the wilderness toward the Red Sea, and the Israelites left Egypt like a marching army. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for Joseph had made the sons of Israel swear that they would take his bones with them when God led them out of Egypt. That was a good vow. Yesterday's podcast, we talked about making rash vows and how that was not always a good idea. This one was okay to make. And he was sure that God would honor it. So the Lord guided them by a pillar of cloud during the day and a pillar of fire at night. That way they could travel whether it was day or night, and the Lord did not remove the pillar of cloud or pillar of fire from their sight. So have you noticed that God doesn't always work in a way that seems best to us? I know for sure that I have. A direct route existed between Egypt and the promised land, but God didn't take his people out this way. Perhaps you've subscribed to the philosophy, the shortest distance between point A and point B is a straight line. While that theory is sound, logically speaking, God sees the larger view. God guided the Israelites around the direct path. This was in avoidance of the Philistines. When God does this with me and with you, it's always for the greater good. 
the greater good for us, the greater good for others, and the greater good for the glory of the kingdom of God. We need to remember in these times not to complain or resist God's perfect plan. We then can follow God willingly, trusting Him to lead us as our shepherd safely around unforeseen obstacles. He sees the end of our journey from the beginning, and He knows the best and safest route to get us there. And the Lord instructed the Israelites with this message in Exodus 23, verses 20 and 21. Teach us this. See, I am sending my angel before you to lead you safely to the land I've prepared for you. Pay attention to him and obey all of his instructions. Do not rebel against him, for he will not forgive your sins. He's my representative. He bears my name. If the Israelites obeyed and followed instructions, they were assured that God would be an enemy to their enemies, and he would oppose those who opposed the Israelites. Most likely, this angel that went with the Israelites was a manifestation of God. God was in the angel, the same way he was present in the pillars of cloud and fire. He bears my name means the essential nature and power of God were made known in this angel. And finally, what happened to Daniel's friends in the book of Daniel? We know being in the furnace, it's easy to catch on fire. We as a society need to guard and protect ourselves from neighbors who have a completely different set of values from ours. We're called to demonstrate a lifestyle of faith. Our lives need to reflect that we obey God and prioritize this relationship before doing what's praised and accepted by society. And this is exactly what Daniel and his three friends did. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego proved they were first and foremost servants of the Most High God. Look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men unbound walking around in the fire. They aren't even hurt by the flames, and the fourth looks like a divine being. It was obvious to those watching that this fourth person was supernatural. It may have been an angel or pre-incarnate Christ. God sent a heavenly being during this great trial. God loves to place a hedge of protection around his beloved people. He loves for his people to show off their faith in him, and he protects and comforts us in trials. We, in turn, must utilize every opportunity to glorify him in return for all he has done and continues to do. God's goodness and protection transcends anything we could ever possibly imagine. So, friends... I want to invite you today, if you want to become a child of God and spend eternity in heaven, not somewhere else, to pray this prayer of invitation to our Lord Jesus. Simply repeat after me, Lord Jesus, I repent and turn away from my sins. Come into and take up residence within my heart. I believe your blood was shed for all who believe that you took on the sin of humanity at the cross of Calvary. Amen. And friends, if you prayed that prayer of salvation, I believe you were saved and born again spiritually. Your next step is to read God's word daily so he can guide, direct, and reveal himself to you. And get yourself into a good Bible-based church to surround yourself with other like-minded believers. Now let me be the first to congratulate you on the most important decision you've ever made. Congratulations and God bless you. And as we leave, I want to pray this prayer of benediction over you. It was the priestly 
blessing from Aaron, who was Moses' brother. It's in Numbers 6, verses 24 through 26. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show his favor and give you his peace. Amen. And the Grace and Peace of God Love Wins podcast will be available most days during the week. A special Kid Talk podcast will air on Wednesdays. So tune in along with your children for your favorite Bible stories that you grew up with. We'll be discussing and sharing Jesus's unlimited power in our present day lives. We delve into many topics such as forgiveness, how to be joyful, and what love and action looks like, and many additional topics. So I invite you and your friends to come alongside me as we embark on a podcast of adventure and exploration of life together. So please join me, and if you like this podcast, make sure and like and subscribe so you'll get the latest episodes when they become available. And much of today's podcast, friends, was referenced out of my book, The Grace and Peace of God Love Wins. If you found the content inspiring or interesting, you can pick up a copy of the book from my website, pampastorcopywriting.com, or at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or Dorrance.com. And if you're unable to afford a copy, please write to me, and I'll find a way to get a free copy into your hands. And also, friends, if you know anyone who might be interested in this material, please share a copy with them as well. Until next time, be blessed.